hey everyone and welcome to Livingston First Church. We're so glad you're joining us today. We really hope you're ready to hear a great message from the Word of God. So prepare your hearts, prepare your ears, and get ready to receive a blessing from the Lord. Be blessed. Thank you for your Word. I thank you for your Word, Lord. I thank you, gracious Father, that you've given us your Son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you just don't give up on us. You don't stop fighting for us, Lord. You've not stopped fighting for us, for our community, for our nation, God. You're, you're, you're moving, you're doing things. We may not understand it, we may not see it, but we say yes and amen to what you're doing. Lord, we, we, we just ask for grace to hear and open hearts to receive this morning. Father, in your word, would you transform us Lord, in your word, would you renew us? Would you rejuvenate us? Lord, we're not here for feelings. We're not here for goosebumps, God. We're here for your word. We're here for you, Jesus. Father, thank you that your word heals. Thank you that your word prophesies. Thank you that your word causes dry bones to come to life. We thank you, Jesus. And God, we pray that as I deliver what I believe is you speaking, God, that my voice would be humbled beneath yours. Lord, I don't want to speak outside of what you're saying. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. I've got a prophetic word for us as a church. As you guys know, we're a forerunner church. Come on, right? You can say amen to that. That's a good thing. We are the ones who go first. We're the ones who, who, who we believe we're hearing God and we want to respond. Even if it looks crazy to other people, even if it seems strange, even if it doesn't make sense, if it's God's word, we want to go. That's what that means when we say we're a forerunner church. Okay? And I believe it's a time and in, in, in it's, it's like a church history pivot right now. We can either be like everyone else, or we can do what God is calling us to do. Amen? Okay, my message today is going to be overcoming the enemy through relationships, which is a, a, a wild title, and I'll get there when I get there. But I think 2022 is going to be a really spectacular year, lots of fireworks, for good or for bad, right? It's going to be spectacular. I feel the Lord saying, get excited. It's time to cross enemy lines. Pick up your head. We're about to leave the foxholes and go into the enemy's camp. This year, the Lord will cause the enemies of the church to hit a wall. Okay, I want to say that again. This year, the, the Lord will cause the enemies of the church to hit a wall. He will cause them to hit a dead end and he will hand them over to his people. Okay, but this is the, the more important part. He will hand them over to us, not so that we can punish them or get payback. He will hand them over so that we, the church, can lead them to his love. Okay? This is the important part. If, if we as a church, if we're looking to be vindicated, or if we're looking to be proved right, we will miss what God is doing in our midst. Okay? You've got to let that go. 
In 2022, the Lord is going to plunge his hand into the enemy's camp and pluck out enemies of the church to turn them into builders of the church. Like he changed Saul the murderer into, into Paul the builder of the church, the Lord is going to turn the hearts of those who are fighting against his plans in America. I think the Lord is going to change the hearts of some very public enemies of his church. And if we, the church, don't take a posture like Barnabas, we'll miss what he's doing. And you can go to Acts 9 for this next part. Acts 9, verse 26. This is when uh, Saul was uh, converted, okay? And then he tried to go and be a builder of the church. How many of you know when you murder a people for a couple of years, those peoples don't really call you a friend? (laughs) It's a hard day, right, for everybody. It was messy. Acts 9, verse 26, when Paul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. That makes sense. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Verse 27, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. The Lord is calling us to be a Barnabas church. Okay? Okay? There's going to be people, resourcers, and builders of the church who are going to come in from the world, but the Lord needs a Barnabas to take them in and to carry them into the church so they can become who they're called to be. Okay? So it's time to let go of the accusation and the condemnation and but you did this and you did that. I understand. They'll, they'll never, ever, ever make up for what was done. That's fine. But we don't need that because we have Jesus. And because we have Jesus, we can love them. And because we love them, they can be who they are called to be in our midst. Amen? Amen. The Lord will make us a friend to his enemies. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for that word. Okay. All right, let's, let's do the preaching part now. <laughs> relationships. Let's talk about relationships that overcome the enemy. How many of you know that all of us were made in the image of God, right? You guys get that? We're made for relationship. Did you know it's a, it's a crazy mystery? None of us really fully can understand it, but God is one God, right? He, Jesus is one God. He's, he's one God in three parts. How confusing is that? Do you remember growing up when you heard that in like, your, like the first time as a child and you're just like, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make any sense, but he's God and we're not, so therefore it does make sense. You were made in his image. In fact, it says in Genesis 1, when the Lord purposes to create man, he says, let us make him in our image. In our image. Why does he say our image? He's referring to himself, the Trinity, which is crazy confusing, but that's what he's saying. Let's make him in the image of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Do you know how remarkable it is that God is three different persons in one person, all edifying and glorifying without any strife or competition within himself? That's wild. 1 John 5 says that the Father, Son, and the Spirit all testify 
together as one witness. That means they glorify each other. Did you know the word glorify doesn't mean just to worship? That's, that's a good part of the word glorify. It actually means as well to serve, to lift up, to exalt. How incredible is that? That the Trinity is this perfect communion, this perfect relationship that is edifying one on top of the other. That's crazy, right? You were made for that kind of relationship. You were made for that kind of community where you lay yourself down to build up another. That's what we're made for. That's hard to conceptualize because we usually find something to compete about inside of community, don't we? That's true. We, we want to look good. We want to exalt ourselves. We want to place ourselves in the place of recognition among our peers. See, that's the fallen, the counterfeit, the thing that the enemy wants to pervert about relationship and community that God has designed us to walk in. See, God doesn't compete with himself. He's not intimidated by the things Jesus is doing. He's not, he's not worried that the Holy Spirit is not walking in unison with him. He's just living in relationship, totally content and satisfied with who he is in his three parts. That's so wild. Even saying it is hard to understand. I, I understand the concept, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> because I come to community and I look for leverage. I look for ways to prop myself up. I look for ways to make myself known among my peers because I don't really trust who I am. And I think Barnabas had a, a, a revelation because he saw Saul, he saw Saul on the seashore, no, he saw Saul and was not intimidated by who Saul wasn't and was able to see who Jesus was and bring him into community without any expectation on his life. That's crazy. That's just, that's wild. I pray that the Lord would humble me in a way where I could come to community and lay my flesh down to raise another brother or sister up. That's what I think God is doing, not just in this church, not in churches in America. He's reflecting himself, his trinity, in the church by creating community where strife and competition and, and backbiting has no place. This is what the world is looking for, right? They will know us not because of our amazing uh, worship services and our preaching. They will know us because of our, our love, right? See, God uses relationship and community to reveal his nature and bring revival to the world. Okay? Go to, go to Acts 10. We're going to be in Acts 10 uh, for the rest of this here. And go to verse 25. Acts 10, 25. In Acts 10, this is uh, right after Peter raises a woman uh, from death to life, uh, and he's taking a little sabbatical at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa, and he's hanging out with Simon the Tanner in Joppa, which is a fun word to say, Joppa. And he has a vision from the Lord, and in the vision, he sees this sheet come down from heaven, and on the sheet, there's like iguanas and uh, maybe a koala bear. I don't know. Definitely a pig. And the Lord says, get up, kill, and eat. And what does uh, Peter say? 
Lord, no, I've never touched anything that is impure or unclean, right? Because he's a good Jew, and there's a, a, a diet that's been laid out for Jewish people uh, to not eat those sort of things. But the Lord says, hey, buddy, don't you dare call unclean what I've called clean. Get up, kill, and eat. And praise God, that's why we're allowed to eat bacon. <laughs> Hallelujah that that happened. I know it's not good for us, but man... It's been some hard weeks where I've gone home and ate a plate of bacon. It's all okay. Amen? <laughs> right? So he has that vision. <laughs> Sorry. Making myself laugh. He has that vision. And at the same time, uh, a Roman soldier is having a vision as well. He's having a visitation from an angel. And he, he tells Cornelius, the Roman soldier, hey, go find my, my, my servant at... The, at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa, he's got a message for you, okay? And that's where we're picking up is Acts 10, verse 25. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius, the, the Roman soldier, the, the Roman commander replied, four days ago I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling white clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has give you, given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right this is the message of good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all you know what happened throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him Verse 39, and we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised to life on the third day. God raised him to life on the third day, and then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to whom God has chosen, but to us whom God has chosen has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We are those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he, ordered, he, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge over all, the living and the dead. Verse 33, he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? 
So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Okay, amen. It's a lot of scripture, but it's important that we read through the whole story. Okay? So it's not ironic or coincidence that God gave this vision to a Jewish man, okay, to, to a devout Jewish man, but also a visitation to invite this devout Jewish man to a Roman, uh, I don't want to say soldier because he was more than, he was a commander, okay? He's a Roman commander. It's important that you understand that because Peter, if he's a devout Jew, which he is, would have hated to be in that Roman soldier's house if he did not have that vision earlier, right? In fact, Jews in that time hated Romans because of the oppression they were living in. About 400 years of oppression, and uh, at that point, the Jews had decided that the Romans, they didn't call him, them the Antichrist, but that was the, 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 the devil incarnate. Okay. In fact, Jewish people had gotten so used to doing that to different people groups that th this is how they were raised. They were raised to hate the Egyptians when they were enslaved to the Egyptians. They were hate, raised to hate the Babylons when they were the Babylonians when they were uh, they were uh, oppressed by the Babylonians. And now the Romans were oppressing them, and they, as a Jewish people, were taught to hate the Romans. So it's not ironic. In fact, Peter is so uncomfortable being in the Roman's house, he says to him straight up, hey dude, I don't know if you know this, but my law requires that I not do what I'm doing right now. But God brought them together. Why was he doing that? Because you don't overcome your enemy in Jesus by pointing the finger and accusing them. No, Jesus' blood has paid the way so that you can go into relationship with those who persecute you and reveal his love to them. It's true. The church needs to grow up a little bit. <laughs> We're so good at choosing sides based on how we've been raised. Are we not? We are. In fact, it's so thick that the country is divided like Bible Belt, not Bible Belt. And we actually fear, have a little bit of a fear and accusation at anybody who doesn't live life the way we live life. In that way, we've actually kept ourselves from walking out the great commission that Jesus called us to walk out because we are afraid of what we don't know. It's a perfect illustration. Peter was raised as a Jew to despise Roman people. Their, their culture had laws that said you can't go inside of a Gentile's house because they're evil. So now Peter has to make a choice. He can resign to what he knows and what he prefers, or he can get over himself and allow this Roman to receive what has brought him to life. Right? Right? Because Cornelius didn't know Jesus. He loved God. He loved, he, he was generous and he, he, he desired to serve God, but he had not yet heard the gospel message. And if God didn't give Peter that vision, Peter would have been, if, if two Roman officials came to get him from his house, he probably would have ran the other way. And what I want to tell to you today is that God wants to put you in places 
where you can preach his gospel to people that maybe you've persecuted in your past, maybe people that you've accused, maybe people that you've, uh, you've condemned, but you need to get over yourself first. In fact, you need to understand that God doesn't let people who want to persecute you come into your life so you can condemn them. He lets them come into your life so you can show them the same grace that he's shown you. I tell my family this all the time. We're winners. The Cahills are, I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but we've been bought by the blood. We're winners. That's it. We don't lose. That's the end of the story. We're good to go. We've got the stamp of approval. The blood has washed us. So when God allows people to come into our lives that want to do us harm or want to persecute us, even though it's hard and we want to just like, like, ah, get them, we're called to reveal Jesus to them. See, you can't reveal Jesus to people that you've already condemned. Peter was struggling with it. He really was because he says that to the Roman guy's face, like, I'm not supposed to be here. We don't like your people. And then he goes on to, to make sure that the Roman guy knows that the Jews were the first one to receive Jesus. By the way, he didn't reveal himself publicly to the general public. It was just us. But thank God that God in his mercy interrupted Peter's preaching with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Some of us preachers need to realize when the Lord shows up, it's because we need to shut up. <laughs> right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit falls on them, and then they finally realize, oh my goodness, this is available for everybody. This is available for, for Democrats. This is available for Republicans. This is available for Northerners and Southerners. This is available uh, for racists and, and, and uh, BLM. This is available for everybody. And in fact, not only is this available, it's the only thing worth uniting around. But you have to get over yourself. I want you to think about this. i got a couple of questions to ask you. Who in your life has God allowed to be in your life that you can't stand? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Careful. Who has God, who's God brought into your life that you'd wish he'd break, take out of your life? You know, like if you had an injector button to send them to China, like launch them, boom. <laughs> Who is that person? Who's that person that's, that's scorning you and rebuking you and persecuting you because of your faith? And if you don't have that person, maybe you need to get out a little bit more. But who's that person? Okay, God didn't bring that person into your life to be a mosquito that you swat away every time they get close. He brought that person into your life because he's equipped you to reveal his love to them despite what they're doing to you. Right? You need to get a vision for who he is again. You, you need to get a vision and understand that you are able to tread on scorpions. That means that poisonous bugs, although they want to kill you, they can't. You see, we as a church have gotten really good at building giant walls to keep people we disagree with out. Let me ask you another question. That person that you would eject to like East Asia or wherever, what would happen if they came in this church and sat next to you to learn about Jesus? 
Would you give them the cold shoulder? Would you ignore them? Would you treat them like less of a person because of what they've done to you? Or would you lay your life down? Would you allow yourself to die so that they can live? It's a good question, isn't it? (laughs) See, Jesus has not empowered you to avoid your problems. Avoid the people that cause problems in your life. Jesus has empowered you to overcome so that those people who have become problems can find life. See, this is what Peter was really dealing with that day. This is what the situation was. He was raised to hate Roman people, especially Roman commanders who probably, who probably had oppressed people in his family or people in his community. But the Lord said, go. And that day, that Roman official, that Roman soldier received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that resources that he had gained in the world became available to the church because Peter got over himself. Because Peter saw what Barnabas saw. See, there's people that have been resourced by the world that God wants to use to resource the church, but the people in the church need to get over themselves so they can receive who God is bringing. I want to read you a story out of a book I'm reading right now called uh, A Voice in the Night. Um, it's a really good book. You should go check it out. About a pastor named Surpresa or Surprise in Africa. He oversees lots of churches he planted uh, with his team, whatever. But this is a story about one of his churches and one of his pastors. Late one night during a women's conference, I received word that one of our church's pastors had been beaten and stabbed to death. Apparently, he had gone back to lock up the building when gang members attacked him. I immediately felt that God was calling me to pray, calling me to prayer for the young men who had killed my friend. Later, as our pastor was being dropped off at the morgue in a body bag, he began moving and came back to life. Although his face was badly bruised and swollen, within a a matter of hours, the bruises and the stab wounds left and he was completely restored. Not a mark was on him. He was perfectly fine and anxious to go home, except that he was naked under the blue sheet. The police had taken his clothes as, clothes as is customary with a murder victim. I had to go out and buy him a shirt and some trousers. The young man who had delivered the fatal blow was already arrested and put in jail. When he saw his victim and how he had been restored, he surrendered his life to Jesus. <laughs> That's a wild story, huh? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. That's crazy. Two things that are inferred that are, but are left out. Okay? One, Pastor Sapreza had to make the choice not to pray just for his friend who was murdered and his family and Lord comfort those people, but to pray for the man who murdered his, his pastor. That's insane. That's so radical. Doesn't that make you cringe? knowing yourself, knowing how you'd feel if if one of your friends was brutally murdered, that you'd be like, Lord, cast fire down on him. Hit him with a lightning bolt. Lord, take care of him. Yeah, justice has been served. He's in jail. Death row, come on. But he didn't do that. He prayed for the man who killed his friend. And then the other part that's not mentioned but is inferred is that the man who was murdered, who had been raised back to life, had to get over himself to go present him to the, himself to the man who had just murdered him. Because it says that the man saw him 
and then gave his life to Jesus. How radical is that? I mean, that challenges me so much. What, what am I thinking when I'm, I'm casting curses on people I disagree with because they don't do things the way I do them? Or they've said things about me that have hurt me. Or they've taken things from me that I wish I had back. And the Lord says, if you would just get over yourself and pray for them, my mercy will show, that, show up and take them from death into life. I mean, how are we going to have influence over our nation if we're condemning our nation to hell. Come on. We are the light of the world. Not, not the four walls of this church. We're the light of the world. Not the boundary lines of our county. We're the light of the world. We are supposed to be attracting people to the grace and mercy of God whether it benefits us directly in that moment or not. See, the Lord wants to raise up a Barnabas church who is willing to put their life on the line to see people who have been ensnared by the world come to life in the church. Let me ask you a question. How, how is, how, I'm just going to be honest, our president's not saved. I'm just going to say that. If, if you're okay with babies being murdered, you're not saved. Just plain and simple. And you can battle me with the science if you want. It, it's, abortion is murder. Okay? It's, it's simple. Black and white. How's that guy going to come to Jesus unless somebody from the church leads him to Jesus? Let's just be honest. You get, you get to make the same choice. Peter, Peter got a vision. Praise God that he did, because I don't think he would have got that on his own. I actually think he wouldn't have went if he didn't have that vision. Right? But you have something just as great, Holy Spirit. And he's empowered you to go to people who don't like you, who persecute you, who condemn you, and bring his life into their death. You know, it starts with confronting the, the relationships in your own family, in, in, your, in your own friend circles, the, the, the people that you've cast out of your heart because you don't like what they've done to you. That's where it starts. When I, when I say, Lord, you know what? I know they've hurt me. I'm, I'm just not going to allow that to define how I see them. I'm going to see them the same way you see Cornelius. I'm going to see them the same way you saw me when your trinity breathed life into my dust. See, that's what God is doing in the church. We've already got everything we need. Let's just leave it. We've got everything we'll ever need. Now we just got to go do something with what we've got. <laughs> we got to go be who we call ourselves. <laughs> Here's the thing about the, 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 the pastor who was murdered. That's a beautiful picture of Jesus. How many of you know that your sin and my sin put Jesus on the cross? Let's just say it like it is. Your sin murdered Jesus. You are directly responsible because of your fallen nature, because of your sin, of the murder of Jesus. But even though that's true, what's equally as true and more important is that his love has covered. His blood has paid the price that you deserve to pay. And when you choose to, 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 re, to take 
unforgiveness and hold it away from somebody who, who needs forgiveness from you, what you're saying is that I've become God over that person's life and I get to declare that Jesus' blood is not enough for them. I need repayment on my terms. I need repayment the way I see fit because Jesus' blood has already spoken the word. But you're saying they don't deserve it. So what you're saying is I'm taking God's place in this one. Lord, you stand back. I'll be, I'll be okay. Let me get what I need from them and then you can do what you want. It's a dangerous place to be. You guys okay? It's because I love you. <laughs> and it's for me too. Come on. Come on. Let's pray. Let's just get serious for a moment. Nobody's here to pretend, right? Nobody's here like, to play church. Holy Spirit, show us the people, show us the, 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 the friends or the, the family members that we need to, to, to forgive and choose to show grace to. Show us. Show us. Lord, show us. Show us the people who have persecuted us and maligned us and fought against us, who, who we've made an enemy. Lord, and, and in that place, Father, would you just show us your love? Would you show us how you feel about us? How you feel about what's been done to us? How you feel about what we did to you? Would you show us? Lord, and, and as you're showing us your love, we release those people. We release them, Jesus. We release them. We commit them back to you. And we ask God that as long as you keep them in our lives, as long as you let them hang around us, would you empower us to lead them to you? Would you empower us to lead them to you, Jesus? And we just confess, God, that, that we're weak, we're broken, we're messy, we don't get it right, we don't understand, but we know that in your love anything is possible. Lord, and forgive us, we, we, we recognize hell is real. Not everybody's going to heaven, and there, there are people who will be eternally damned. And Father, forgive us for being lazy and complacent about that. Father, forgive us. Give us grace to be sober about the truth of eternity. That we would never condemn anyone to anything we wouldn't want for ourselves. You did it for Peter, God. You can do it for us. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, we're going to take a moment to worship, if we can. And the altar will be open. If you need time for prayer or just to, to I don't know, worship before the Lord up here, it's open to do that. Uh, but I pray that your heart is freer than it was 
35 minutes ago. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, let's worship. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit truly ministered to you through this message from the Word of God. If you'd like to know more, look us up at livingstonfirstchurch.com or follow us on social media. And we look forward to seeing you in person soon.